Hello and welcome to Radical Simple Living Podcast and this is episode 31. Uh, for those of you that have joined me before, you know the setup. It's me and you and a microphone. The only editing is me hitting the pause button if something happens. And I'm here in my kitchen in the forest of Smallland in southern Sweden. And it's good to welcome you here today, wherever you're listening. And uh, get in touch if there's anything I can help you with through social media, where you find me at Ray Lovegrove on Facebook, Ray Lovegrove on Twitter, or Ray Lovegrove on Mastodon. And I think I'm Ray Lovegrove on Instagram too. So you can find me in any one of those places. Um, today, we're talking about appliances and we're talking in specific terms about household appliances big ones we're not talking about electric screwdrivers or food mixers or pressure cookers or bathroom scales or anything like that we're talking about the big things in your house we're talking about washing machines dishwashers clothes dryers and we might fit in vacuum cleaners if we have enough time all those other things we can talk about uh, on a later episode. Now, you probably imagine that because I'm a very strong environmentalist and because I'm an advocate of simple living, that I'm going to be telling you that you've got to throw your household appliances away and take your washing down to the river or something like that to wash. Um, I'm not. I'm going to try and be as rational as I can about how you can, uh, well, first of all, what appliances do you need to have? And secondly, what's the most effective way to use them? Because like it or not, our household appliances have a big impact. They have an impact on the environment, not only in terms of their production costs, first of all, and their um, recycling or disposal costs at the end, but also their running costs in terms of electricity, in terms of water. And as well as affecting the environment, these things also affect two other really important aspects of your life. One, time. And time's important to all of us, whatever we're doing, time is always a, a valuable commodity. And the other one is the cost of our energy. Now, if you're listening to me in Europe, the cost of energy will be something that you think about most days, because whereas a few years ago, energy costs were manageable, I've always been terrified by electricity bills, I, I have a phobia against them, I... I, uh, I have nightmares about them on occasions, but you've got to think about them. Even people that didn't worry too much about them a few years ago now give them more consideration. In North America, it's not that bad, although I know costs are high and people want to keep those costs down. So by selectively choosing your equipment, by effectively using your equipment, and how being a bit wise as to when is the time to use your equipment, you can save the environment and save yourself some money too. So before we start, let's just say that appliances have been with us for a long time, certainly within living memory. Even people that are over a hundred can remember early household appliances and 
since the 1940s in America, maybe the 1950s in, in Europe, there have been additions to most people's houses. And without doubt, the most important of these is the washing machine. Now, several years ago in a UK science-based magazine, it has worldwide sales called The New Scientist, they did a big poll about what were the most important inventions of humankind over the centuries and they they asked people for their vote so for a long period of time and I was expecting things like fire or the wheel or cooking or making ceramics or sewing to be these important inventions in 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 all kinds of terms but what did people vote as the number one they voted the cat's eye now the cat's eye has got nothing to do with cats it's got everything to do with driving at night in country areas and these were little things in the middle of the road that reflect back headlights to you so you can see where the centre line of the road is. Now while that's a, a clever invention, it is not the most important invention in the world. I mean I, I would obviously take things like fire, cooking, um, extracting metals, sewing fur fabric together as being the essential ones that make what we call civilization work. But in terms of modern life, I would say the washing machine takes some beating. We know that before the washing machine was there, people had to wash outside. Now, washing outside isn't too terrible. Many people in warmer parts, I, I see lots of videos on YouTube by people living in the southeastern USA who have these sort of tubs of water outside and do their washing outside. That's wonderful. And, and I'm not um, knocking that at all. I would do the same thing were I to live somewhere in, in rural southern southeastern USA. Yes, I would. It's warmer there. You can do it. In Sweden, it wouldn't be so easy. Um, for at least six months of the year, it would be pretty close to impossible to wash outside because of the weather because sub-zero temperature in many parts of uh, the north of North America, Canada, and uh, the north-northeast and the north-northwest, it will be difficult too. So we have to think in terms of what is practical. And that gives us our first clue about washing machines. You can do without a washing machine, but you'd only be advised to do it if you're really, really dark green and if you live in the kind of climate that makes that sensible. If you live in the north of Europe, the north of North America, you'd have to do that indoors and that, that's quite a messy process. It will surprise many of you to learn, I mentioned it in an earlier podcast, that the Amish use washing machines. The Amish aren't opposed to all technology, far from it. They are opposed to inappropriate technology. And many years ago, it was recognised in most Amish communities that a washing machine is not an unnecessary appliance. It actually removes people from a lot of the drudgery of washing clothes and frees up time. And so a lot of Amish households will have one power-driven, uh, petrol-driven, sorry, gas-driven in the US generator, and they will run a washing machine from it. Forgive me for switching occasionally and trying to give double uh, speak for 
US English and, and UK English and Australian English draws a little bit on both of those. But um, I have an audience all over the world and I like to make it clear what I'm talking about. Um, so chances are you have a washing machine. Again, I know a few people that don't. But if you have, how can you use it? Well, this is where the big crunch comes in. I can't tell you because it depends entirely on your circumstances. Some of you live in parts of the world where water falls out of the sky daily. I'm thinking maybe of people in Seattle. Uh, I know I have some listeners there, people in British Columbia, people in, in the west of the UK and in Ireland. Um, some people in Southeast Asia have a lot of water about. And for them, the amount of water that a washing machine uses is a fairly minimal interest. But do be aware that if water is pumped into your house, as it is here using electricity, then the more water you use, the more electricity bill goes up. So you want to think a little bit about that too. But I say this because sometimes the economy cycle on a washing machine doesn't always mean economy in terms of electricity use, it sometimes means economy in terms of water use. So you have to read the instruction manual for your washing machine to see exactly um, how the eco wash matches up to your requirements. My washing machine, we don't have too many problems with water here except in the middle of summer when we do go into drought most years, but in most of the year uh, water is not a problem. And so the economy wash on my washing machine isn't actually the one that uses the least energy. It uses the least water. Now, how can you find that out? Well, if, you, if you're the kind of person that files away your instruction manuals, you can do that. If you're not, almost every washing machine manual on earth is available in most languages online as a PDF file. So one evening when you've got nothing better to do, Make a list of your electronic appliances that you haven't got instruction manuals for. Uh, find their um, manuals on PDF and then save them. And a good place to save them is actually on your Kindle. If you run a Kindle app on your uh, device, you can store any kinds of PDF on there and it's stored on a cloud automatically and you haven't got to worry and you can access it anywhere. So that's that's worth remembering. Um, Read it carefully, read those instructions for different washes and look at the energy requirement. Now, the, the basic rule is the colder you wash, obviously, the less money it's going to cost you. And that doesn't matter too much if you've got a hot water fill or a cold water fill and the machine heats it up. You've really got to look at washing at the coldest temperature for saving you money and for saving the environment. Um, I wash at 20 degrees unless there's a real problem wash and then it has to go hotter. But 20 degrees does most things. And can you get your clothes clean at 20 degrees? Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Be careful how you do it. Use a full but not overloaded drum and you can wash effectively at 20 degrees. In North America, cold water washing is a part of life for most people. In Europe, there's still a lot of people that seem to think you've got to wash it at 40 degrees or higher. You don't. 
Why does your washing machine have a 60 degree wash then? Well, if you are running a bed and breakfast, or if you are having people to stay with you occasionally, washing the sheets at 60 degrees is the temperature at which bed bug eggs die. So if you stay in a hotel, or you stay in a hospital, or if you stay in a bed and breakfast, the person running that should be washing the bed linen at 60 degrees. At 60 degrees Celsius. I'm sorry, North America. I can't think offhand what that is in Fahrenheit. Um, I'm okay with most imperial units, but Fahrenheit sends my head into one of those strange places. So uh, you'll have to work that out for yourself. But 20 degrees was 20 degrees Celsius, and 60 degrees is 60 degrees Celsius. A cat wants to come in, I'll just check out my figures while I'm gone. Right, 20 degrees Celsius is about 70 degrees Fahrenheit. It's actually 68. So 20 degrees is 70 degrees Fahrenheit for all intents and purposes. And 60 degrees is 140 degrees Fahrenheit. So, no, I didn't do those calculations in my head. I use Google, I'm afraid. I'm sorry. I confess these things. So, for most people, 20 degrees Celsius is fine. If you've got children, and obviously children get very messy, they go and throw themselves in tomato ketchup and all kinds of things like that, you may need to venture into the 40 degrees now and then. But you don't have to do it very often. Now, how to use your washing machine? Use it sparingly. Use it when you've got full loads to wash. Um, obviously, you separate coloured clothes from white clothes, and I actually have a big enough wash to do to separate one end of the spectrum of coloured, blues and greens, away from the reds and yellows at the other end of the spectrum. So you can do that as long as you're running a full machine. It doesn't matter how you choose to classify your wash, but you've got to... You've got to ensure the machine is full, not over full, but full, to get the maximum benefit of that wash. Running a washing machine with a couple of items in it is a bad thing to do. It wastes your money and it doesn't help the environment. How often do you use it? As often as you need to, depending on the side of your family. Again, it would be wrong to me to say, oh, once a week, if you've got seven children and three old people living in your house with you, then you've got to do it much more often. So be sensible, read your instruction manual, do it the way you can. If you are buying a new washing machine, please look for the energy rating on it. In Europe, it has a star rating, a letter and then a star, and you can get a star, 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 or plus, 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 it's sometimes shown as. And that means it's got a very good energy rating, something that's D or E is bad. Um, in the States, you might need to look at the energy rating, and most modern manufacturers are quite happy to boast about how wonderfully energy efficient their machine is. So find a website that will do comparisons for you and help you make a decision. Now, how long do you run your washing machine uh, into the ground? You run it so long that it starts to get repairs that you can't do yourself. Lots of washing machine repairs I can do, and if I can do them, you can too. Uh, replacing the drum seal and replacing the pump at the bottom and all those things. The electronics parts of a washing machine are designed that nobody can do anything with them except the manufacturer's engineer. So that's a bit of a problem, but don't just change it. Above all, don't throw out the washing machine you've got to get one with a 
a lower energy rating. Wait till it's finished and then buy one with a lower energy rating. Too many people who are trying to do the right thing think they've got to throw everything away and buy new things to be greener. It doesn't help. It might help in the short term. It doesn't help in the long term. Okay. Um, after a washing machine, the next logical thing is the clothes dryer. And here we have problems because whenever I post about drying washing on the line, something that I try to do all 11 months of the year if I can, people get in touch with me and tell me that I'm being holier than thou and that they wash, they, they do their washing and dry it in a dryer. Well, it's up to you, but principally people are different. If you live in a tall building in an apartment, you haven't got much opportunity to dry your clothes any other way than in a dryer. If you're living way out in the Sahara Desert, you can do your drying every day. It's not going to rain on it. If you're somewhere between those two extremes, think about it carefully. I would like to think that anybody that's environmentally minded, if they do have the opportunity to dry their clothing outside, dry your clothing outside, fit up a washing machine in your a washing machine, a washing line in your garden and use it. Use it whenever you can. Um, it will save you money, it will save the environment and it will make your clothes smell lovely and fresh when they come in. We know that sunlight kills more germs in laundry than the washing process does, believe it or not. So you can rest assured that you're doing yourself a lot of good by drying clothes outside. Now a lot of people use dryers because they suffer from asthma and they're worried about their clothes picking up pollen um, whilst on the washing line and then introducing that into the house and I've, I've, I've looked into this at some length and there are a couple of institutions that have looked into this problem and their research shows that if you dry the washing on the line but then bring it in and put it in the dryer for just 10 minutes, that clothing is as pollen-free as if you did it, the whole thing in the dryer. So it seems what you've got to do is use your dryer less, but if you do suffer from asthma and those times of year when tree pollen, grass pollen, weed pollen are a problem, so you're depending on where you live, 10 minutes in the dryer will help get that clothing to the same state of, of being pollen free as it was if you dried it in the dryer from the beginning. If you don't need to use a dryer, don't need it. I, I have got one here. I've got a dryer here and it's now uh, April. It's towards the end of April. It's May next week. And over the winter, I have used the dryer twice. Once I used it when I washed sheets and got them on the line and the daylight hours, which are restricted here in Sweden, weren't long enough to get it dry. And so I had to put it in for 20 minutes in the dryer. And another time the snow was belting down so fast and I had sheets to wash that I did use the dryer. So using it sparingly is important. And if you've got a condenser dryer, don't forget that if you save the water from the condenser, it's actually distilled water. So it's good to use in your steam iron or it's good to use any other purpose you have the need for distilled water for. It does carry a little bit of smell with it from um, the products you use. 
but it is distilled water and so save that and save yourself some money elsewhere. If you live in an apartment with no balcony or some people tell me that the uh, landlord of their property has in the lease they're not allowed to dry washing outside which is incredibly environmentally short-sighted of those landlords um, then you have to use a dryer but again the same rules follow as with a washing machine use it on full load use it as little as you have to and and do your best to, to get it dry using low energy cycles if you can Clotheslines are not appliances, but clotheslines are wonderful. So we'll have a talk about those on another occasion. Maybe the podcast after next. So I've got 20 ideas for podcasts in my head. Problem this time of year is I'm too busy to sit down and record them a lot of the time. So I apologise for that. Dishwashers are another controversial piece of domestic equipment. Some people say, I would never have a dishwasher. I wash up using uh, uh, the kitchen sink and hot water and, and what have you. And again, there is a wide degree of choice here. However, if you do the calculations of the energy use and water use, if there are three people living in your home, you will be saving more energy using a dishwasher than washing up in the sink. Now you might say, I don't want to use a dishwasher, and my hands go up here and say, that's fine. If you if you prefer to wash up, that's your choice. I'm not here to tell you what to do. I'm here to talk about the issues involved. And if you have got a family of 27 and prefer to wash up by hand, good luck, that's fine. If you live on your own, if there are two of you, it's not a lot in it, to be honest. You're just as easy doing one as the other. Dishwashers do take a bit of looking after. They're not entirely devoid of time. You do have to load them and unload them. You do have to um, clean them. You do have to rinse off things before they go into it. Although some people claim not to do that, and uh, I'm not sure about that personally. I like to do it. Now, um, how can you run your dishwasher effectively? Again, go to the manufacturer's guidelines, have a look at it, see what it says, work out the most economical cycle for you to work. My dishwasher, again, the eco cycle is not the cheapest in terms of electricity use. It's the lowest in water use. So have a look at that carefully and apply it. Obviously, if you live in Arizona and there's a drought, you're going to be very concerned about water use. If you live in Iceland, you're probably not going to be too bothered, I imagine. I don't know. Um, Dishwashers are fine but you should know that in order to run it efficiently you've got to run it full and that can create problems and if when i'm here in the house on my own um it it can take me five or six days maybe to get enough stuff to use the dishwasher with so if you are going to use the dishwasher to save energy and to save water uh, rather than washing in the sink be prepared to buy some more crockery and cutlery Get it second hand, go to a charity store, you can buy crockery and cutlery cheap in there, as I said in earlier podcasts. You don't want to say, Oh, I've got to run out because I, you know, I've got to do the dishwasher because I've run out of crocks or something. Just buy some more. There, you're not damaging the environment to buy some from a charity store because they'd have gone to landfill once upon a time anyway. So, you're doing okay. That way you can keep loading your dishwasher until it's full and then use it. 
you can wash in the set. Yeah, you can. You can do what you like, really. But th th those of you that do run dishwashers, don't feel guilty about it. Because they're quite simple devices. There's not a lot of complicated technology in a dishwasher, apart from the timing mechanisms and things like that, which are electronic. It does use water. It does use a heater. But it's it uses less than you'd think. So it's not an environmental disaster. It actually can be quite a useful piece of equipment. So have a look into it. Last of all, today we're going to talk about the vacuum cleaner. Now vacuum cleaners in Britain are known quite a lot. People call them Hoovers because Hoover was one of the first companies to manufacture them. And for lots of people, the generic term has become Hoover. And people even talk about hoovering their bedroom. What are you doing? I'm hoovering my bedroom, meaning they're vacuum cleaning their bedroom. And I know uh, a lot of buildings in cities in the States have these holes in the wall that sort of vacuum all your dust out. And th th those are, are rare in Europe. I've only seen it once. Um, most people have a vacuum cleaner. I, my, I have two vacuum cleaners, one for upstairs, one for downstairs, and both of them run on lithium batteries and I charge them up with a solar panel. And so the energy use of vacuuming my house is, is, is not there. I mean, obviously you could say, oh, well, the, the, the lithium battery. Yeah, I, I mean, of course, to manufacture the solar cells, to manufacture the lithium batteries takes resources. But I don't have to plug them into the mains. I don't have to pay uh, to run the vacuum cleaners on my electricity bill. Now, I've got wooden floors mainly. I do have rugs, but sweeping the floor is a very good option. So I don't use the vacuum cleaners every day. What I do is sweep the floors daily and then once a week uh, or more often if um, if there's a lot of a problem with pets molting or something like that, I will vacuum. Talking about pets, I've got to let a cat in right now. If you're buying a new vacuum cleaner, you can become more environmentally friendly by A, thinking about the power you need and whether it's quite, you know, when everybody had fully carpeted houses, you needed quite powerful vacuum cleaners. If you've got wooden floors and a few rugs, it's not that important to have a powerful one. You can, you can reduce the power usage on it quite a lot. I don't like bags in vacuum cleaners and I'm very keen on bagless ones and most of them seem to be now or many of them seem to be now, you can compost the contents of your vacuum cleaner. Contents of your vacuum cleaner are human skin, uh, which sort of sloughs off in little bits all the time, and pet hairs. Now, and human hairs too. Uh, you can vacuum these up and you can compost them. My recommendation is that you have, if you run more than one compost, say run a long-term one, and put your vacuum cleaner contents in the long-term composting bin so it takes about a year for it to break down. And if you cover it in lawn clippings or something like that, you'll increase the temperature and you'll reduce the risk of, of causing anything. If you live in a part of the world where you have fleas on cats and dogs, I'm very pleased to say where I live in Sweden, the cat flea doesn't exist. I'll tell you that one more time. Where I live in Sweden, the cat flea doesn't exist. 
there are no cat fleas here. There are ticks, but there are no cat fleas, and it's up to you which one of these you consider the worst menace to life. But flea eggs and things like that, if you compost them for a year in a hot composting situation, will be fine. And you're not going to bring it back in your house anyway, or you're going to use it for mulching trees and things in your garden, so that's fine. If you do have to go for bags, try and get paper bags that are made out of recycled material, not these sort of um, polymer-based canvassy bags that are non-biodegradable and will be around for thousands of years and will probably stop the contents rotting down too well either. So try and get that and use it. Again, if you want to save money, use a broom more. Don't use a vacuum cleaner so much. There's a very old device that's common in Britain, and I've seen these used in North America, the Amish use them. It's a carpet sweeper. Now, what a carpet sweeper is, it's a kind of box on wheels with a long broom handle attached to it, and you push it along a carpet, and it picks up an incredible amount of dust. Now, they do need regular maintenance, and if you've got long hair, or you have long-haired pets, you regularly have to clean the brushes, but they are remarkably effective at cleaning with no energy. And if there's, if you just go through your house and you notice all that carpet could use a bit of a clean, you just run the carpet sweeper over it, it picks up all the rubbish, you don't need to turn the vacuum cleaner on, you don't need to use electricity. You could probably... Um, buy one of these very cheaply and save yourself, uh, you know, a fair bit of energy over the course of a year. If you have fixed carpets, they work very well. If you have loose carpets, they're sometimes a bit irritating because they tend to scuff the carpet up at the same time as using it. But worth looking into. Some of you who are um, more mature than other listeners will remember these. Um, I got, my only image of my mother is pushing a carpet sweep around the house. She used to have it fixed to her right hand and use it almost continuously. So they're good things. So there we go. When you're considering domestic appliances, consider where you live, consider what your needs are, consider what um, you need to have to be able to live properly. Modern life doesn't make living without appliances easy. So... Be fair with yourself and decide what you have to use. There are elements of choice in here. The big overwhelming advice to you is don't use appliances more than you have to. Use full loads only on washing machines, dishwashers and clothes dryers. Don't throw away your appliance until it is on its last legs. And when you buy a new one, look out for those energy efficient markings on it and uh, choose the best one you can. Okay, now it is coming to the really good bit of spring here in Sweden. Spring is slow coming in Sweden, but when it's here it's quite wonderful, in southern Sweden anyway. Um, and I spend a lot of time out in the garden at the moment, and a lot of time raising seedlings, all ready to go out uh, probably next month. This means I don't get on social media much, so if you're trying to get me on social media in April and May, you'll find me quite hard to find. It also means I don't get to publicise these podcasts much. So if you know somebody that would be interested in these podcasts, or if you'd like to post on social media and give a link to them, please do. You'll be helping me out. Remember, what I'm doing here isn't to make loads of money. It's to spread the word. 
Um, it's to spread the word that simple living is for most people in some form or another. It will make your life easier. It will save you money and it will help save the environment. And it will make you feel pretty good about doing your part to make things better. Thank you for joining me. Do look back over my past catalogue and see if there's anything else that takes your interest if you're a first time listener. I look forward to meeting with you again next time. Thank you.